Welcome to the Real Pill Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. I don't Hi. know. I don't know why I sound so quiet. Mark Salcedo. No, no, you sound quiet, and I sound like a child to myself, like my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is my co-host. Um, he's a really cool guy. Uh, he thinks he is. Smells weird. Uh, <laughs> sound like Bugs Bunny now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you something. What's that? You have glitter under your eyebrow. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, some of all the strippers I just threw my money at. <laughs> I have something else to tell you. <laughs> okay. You are not an asshole, Mark. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to say, oh, thanks. Thanks. Then I'm going to say, you're just trying. You are trying <laughs> so hard to be. <laughs> I fucked that up, but I don't care. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. I totally get it. Yeah. I yeah. get that a lot. Wait, you're not Mark Zuckerberg, so no, never mind. No, no I'm, not, I'm not the person who should be tried for war crimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal, Two E's and Real. Uh, you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. And we would appreciate your reviews on iTunes. The more you review us, the more we get noticed. This week, we are doing the news, our recent review of Mank, Variety Time, and our geriatric cinematic of The Social Network. Yeah, the 2009 uh, David Fincher film. Not The Social Dilemma that is on Netflix. This is The Social social Network Mm. that's on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) And the topic? Uh, A mad dash to power and fucking up shit to reach it. (laughs) I'm very proud of myself on that one. Mm. Very, 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 very proud. I think your brain probably feels like that girl's butt who t- took a record-breaking 26-foot-long turd. You showed me that picture. I was like, I did not need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark. Yells. What is going on in the news? Uh, so, what happened in the news uh, recently? Um uh, Terminator Dark Fate would have had it would have brought back uh, Mackenzie Davis from an alternate timeline. Uh, so Terminator Dark Fate came out fuck last year seems so long ago, um, and it was not a success. It's if I remember hearing it's like <laughs> that's Kelsey's throat. <laughs> from what I heard, it wasn't it wasn't as much of a box office success. The critical success wasn't too bad. It was like better than the other iterations um so of course we're not getting another terminator movie looks like the franchise might be dead for good um so mckenzie 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 davis uh gave some insight while she was on the happy sad confused podcast uh she confirmed that her character was at one point going to come back um uh and it was like briefly teased um she said uh, it was going to be sort of time, a sort of timeline thing where there'd be another timeline that you explore. Like there's no resurrection, but she came from the future. So dot dot dot. Um, the Terminator franchise has, <clears throat> excuse me, has known to like really fuck around with timelines. 
um, as you can see, like in the movies, like the way how part two ended, and then there's the alternate ending to part two, and then part three happened, and what was part four? Salvation, which was supposed to be a continuation from part three, but then there's Genesis, which ignores that, and, blah, 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 and there's like so ter- they're like Alien on Speed. What do you mean Alien on Speed? The movie Alien? Because like there was one and two, and then mm. the third one was like. Mm. No, like a lot of people didn't like that one. Yeah. Um, and then they came out with uh, resurrection. Yeah. Mm. And it was supposed to ignore three or something like that. No, no, resurrection didn't ignore three. It, it that's the thing about the alien franchise. At least like they follow like like a linear path, even though like the quality had like dropped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. Like the AVP movies is supposed to take place like is it takes place before the first Alien movie and there's like Prometheus um, and Covenant that takes place like twenty years before the first Alien movie or some bullshit like that. Oh. The Terminator franchise is just like there's the Sarah Chronicles. All right, that doesn't exist. There's Salvation and Rise of Machine. All right, now that doesn't exist. There's Genesis. Now that doesn't exist. And so like, oh, so then it's like what the last Star Wars movie did for the trilogy. Oh god. <laughs> Y'all know my hatred of that last Star Wars movie. God, I hate it so much. Um I wouldn't mind. I mean, it wasn't that great. If they did come out with a sequel and if it was following like Dark Fate, I probably would go see it. Um I remember when we reviewed it, we did like I remember liking Mackenzie Davis like performance a lot that movie mm-hmm. she was, i think she was a great uh added to the franchise i don't remember what was your opinion on her as well our opinion my opinion was mm. that the um like the latina girl who was yeah. supposed to be the main character or whatever that's she was supposed to be like the new sarah Con- connor-esque she fell way short and mm. um kind of thought that the story would have been better served if they just followed Mackenzie davis's character mm. from beginning to end like yeah where her origins and stuff because they kind of touch on it towards mm. the end yeah and like i would want to want to have seen more of her of and Mackenzie forget davis? everybody else yeah well i mean if the sequel was success we would have gotten more Mackenzie davis i didn't mind the the latina actress who played uh the the names escaped me i'm sorry uh who played like the sarah connor s character um i get it was like her kind of origin story so i would have liked to have see her like in the second one you know like how sarah connor was like this you know um individual who's like running from this deadly robotic machine or whatever and then part two she's like this billy badass with like pump action shotgun and shit they didn't do a good job because they introduced so many new characters that in order mm-hmm. to allow a franchise to have a character like that again, essentially, yeah, which everyone's over it, right? They already went through it with Sarah Connors, yeah. Um, uh, they would have to have like actual pe- like older characters mm. leading her into it, and they really didn't have much of that. Uh, uh, Natal, it's the. Uh, <sighs> Natalia uh, Reyes, that's was her name. The uh, she she was Danny Romero, Ramos. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and you know what? Now I think about it, I feel like Dark Fate was trying to be like um, uh, Force Awakens, where like you you have the old characters to introduce the new characters, and they're like the allegories of these characters, mm. like how 
uh, Poe Davern's supposed to be like the Han Solo, and uh, Daisy Ridley's character Ray is supposed to be like the Luke Skywalker. Uh, Danny Ramos is obviously the Sarah Connor, and Mackenzie Davis's Grace is supposed to be like the T eight hundred. You know, hmm. but I mean, like I said, it fell short, and I think I think it's just that that franchise just needs to go away for like a good while. Yeah, like it needs to die out. I think so too. And then if they do bring it back, they need to have like the Marvel treatment where you bring people <laughs> in and yeah. like you have a set path for it, no yeah. matter who the director is. Yeah, that's true. 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 Yep. Mm. So. Your boo, Oscar Isaac. My boo, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> how old is that Oscar Isaac? Let me see how old my boo is. I gotta, I gotta wish him a happy birthday. Today's his birthday? <laughs> no, 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 no. I gotta text him. I gotta text my boo and be like, hey, Oscar Isaac. Or uh, Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada. <laughs> oh, I'm, wow, I'm taller than him, too. <laughs> He's 41. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, what happened with Oscar Isaac? <laughs> and he's only like... Five and a half years older than you. Mm. Um, he is going to star as Solid Snake in Sony's Metal Gear Solid film. Have you played any of these games? I played Solid Gear, or Solid Gear, Metal, Metal Gear solid. one. Yeah. Not Solid. It was only called just Metal Gear. Nothing called Metal Gear Solid. Was it? Yeah. Ooh, you never like, played the games then. Like it's well, I played it once or twice yeah. when it was like the first one or two of them. Mm. Bless you, <laughs> Kelsey did sneeze. And um, I didn't. I wasn't impressed. That those Metal Gear Solid games have like a hardcore fan base. Super hardcore fan base. They are not my bag. Like, mm. and I have. I thought about just watching the the gameplay online. You know how like sometimes like I'll watch video games online and I, and I'll do that because I'm like I, I won't have time to play this game, so let me just go ahead and find out. Because I like playing video games that have like a really good story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can't do that with my busy life, and I've been I've debated about like watching these movies all the way through or these games all the way through. Mm-hmm. From what I remember hearing, Metagross Solid Three, which I believe is called Snake Eater, um, there's a cinematic scene. Two hours long. Wow. Yeah, and this is because of Hideo Kojima, who's like, the dude wants to be a director, but he's a video game uh, creator instead. <laughs> Maybe he will be a director. I, I don't doubt it. He, he does know people in Hollywood, like mm-hmm. a lot of people in Hollywood. Um, yeah, I wasn't impressed with the games that much. It was mm-hmm. just like, I mean, at that time, I didn't really understand like mm-hmm. the point of it. Yeah, they get stranger and stranger. Like, hell of a lot stranger. Really? Yeah. If, well, for me, it was more like Demolition Derby on fucking steroids <laughs> Okay. Like, I was like, I don't take joy in just crashing repeatedly, thanks. Wait, are you mixing a Metal Gear Solid with Metal Gear? Yes, probably. That's Met- why I said Met- Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear is the arcade game, the one that you see me play whenever we go to the... Uh, oh, no. That's not it. Okay, Okay, so you're talking about Metal Gear, the game where you would go and hide and, like, come out and, like, assassinate people and then, like, go out and go on, like, these military missions and shit. Then I'm probably talking about a completely different <laughs> game that's separate from either of those two. There was a, there was a you're, game. Oh, wait, wait. Are you talking about Twisted Metal? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I hate that game. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
okay, Metal Gear Solid and Twisted Metal, two completely different games. They had metal in the name. Oh my god. <laughs> this goes up there with Iron the Iron Man and the cars mix up and then the the Mad Max and the Oh, what's that fucking <laughs> the that oh god, I found that Tupac video. Fuck. <laughs> California love. Yeah, California love mix. Oh my god. Okay, anyway, so. <laughs> uh, you, you want then me to, I've never played it. I don't know what it is. Okay, do you want me to read this or you want to? Yeah, go to, for it. Okay, Sony's long awaited Metal Solid adaptation is getting, is getting made. It's been a momentum. Okay, Oscar Isaac is attached to play uh, Solid Snake uh, with Jordan, Va- Jordan Vaught uh, Roberts to film. He's the guy behind like the Skull Island movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. I mean, this movie has been in the works for, like, years. Um, the script has been written by Derek Connolly. This only... I mean, it's... The one... There's two things this movie has against it already. Other than, like... Oscar Isaac is a great actor. That dude is, bu- is busy as fuck now. Mm-hmm. So there's already two things going against this movie. One is produced by Sony. Mm-hmm. Two... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the production is Sony. And then two is produced by Avia Rod. Avia Rod is the one who made those fucking, who produced those X-Men movies. Ooh. Yeah, he's the reason why Sony crawled to Marvel and was like, can you please help us make these Spider-Man movies correct? So why are they using him again? Because he's a, he's, a, he's a big name in Hollywood. I've he, never heard of him before. Yeah, he's like a big name in Hollywood, like behind the scenes and shit like that. He gets stuff, stuff produced. But, I mean, just because you're a big name doesn't mean you make good movies. And I don't know. I mean... From what I from what I've heard, uh, uh, about Roberts, he's like a hardcore fan of like the Metal Gear Solid games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of weird that they do have uh, they did get Oscar Isaac to play Solid Snake because whenever I picture Solid Snake, I picture two people: either Kurt Russell, who's way too old, or Matt Mickelson, mm-hmm. because he has like this demeanor of like tall and like and and like unsettling, unsettling and like dirty, like he's seen shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing here, one thing I will pass off to you that you, I think you might like in the last Metal Gear Assault game, um, they the character used to be voiced by I think Troy Barker. I probably got that wrong, but in the fi- in the last game, he was voiced by Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like he had a stroke. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, Brother. like sometimes when he like talks, mm-hmm. I've been watching that designated survivor series. My God, that I've seen a couple of minutes of that show. I'm like, wow, this is trash. But it's kind of like good trash. Like, <laughs> um, he talks. Sometimes he talks and he's like slurring his words. Like, mm-hmm. he's like age is not helping his speech or something. Plus, he used to be like a full blown uh, um, alcoholic and shit like that. Mm. Uh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Let me see. Who does the voice of Solid Snake? Uh, the voice of Solid Snake is... Oh, I can't find his name. Oh, David Hayter. That's the, that's the guy who's done the voice of Solid Snake for, like, years. Years and years. And years. Like, the American version. Mm-hmm. He's done, like, one, two, three, and, like, in the other ones. Um, and then the latest one, which is called, like, Phantom Pain or some shit like that. Um, they got Kiefer Sutherland to do it. But Kiefer Sutherland, like, Solid Snake doesn't talk that much like i would say he has like maybe three pages of dialogue out mm. the entire game which is like hours and hours and hours and hours of gameplay yeah um <laughs> i really don't care 
about I mean I'm I'm interested. I'm interested. If it looks good. Plus you just want to see your boo again. I want to see my boo. I mean he's got he's gonna be Moon Knight and he's coming out in Dune, which we'll talk more about that shit later on. Yeah. Um I want him to succeed. It's it's Oscar Isaac. I like Oscar I like me some Oscar Isaac. He's he's <laughs> he's handsome, he's a great fucking actor. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he hasn't won like four Oscars already. I mean he is an Oscar, but he hasn't won four Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he needs to poop out those golden babies. Oh, my, poop them out. <laughs> <laughs> we are 17 minutes in, and that's two poop jokes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that's my cue to get into our recent review of Mank. Mank? It's Orson Welles. Of course it is. I think it's time we talked. Ready and willing to hunt a great white whale? Just call me Ahab. Tell the story you know. I hear you're hunting dangerous game. This is different. This is about something. I've put up with your suicidal drinking, your compulsive gambling, your silly platonic affairs. I gave you a second chance. How wealth and influence can crush a man. Are you hoping I might absolve you of such a personal betrayal? You made yourself court jester. Nobody but nobody makes a monkey out of William Randolph. You pick a fight with Willie, you are finished. Mank. Mr. Mankowitz. The synopsis is, uh, follows screenwriter Herman J. Mankowitz's tumultuous development of Orson Welles' iconic masterpiece, Citizen Kane, that came out in 1941. Directed by David Fincher, written by his father, Jack Fincher. Um, It stars Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, and Tom Pelfrey. So, yes, I remember when I was reading, like, I think I was getting a picture for Mank, and then I saw mm-hmm. Jack Fincher, and I was like, Who's Jack Fincher? Mm. It surprised the hell out of me that his father was a writer mm-hmm. and that he got credit for this screenplay. Yeah, why did that surprise you? I mean. It's David Fincher's father. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I remember hearing about Mank for years. Um, if I can remember correctly, um, Jack Fincher was trying to get this movie made in like the nineties, mm. um, and of course that didn't happen. And I'm sure you know David Fincher. You know he's swinging his director's dick around. Mm. And he's just like, I want to make this movie. My dad's been like trying to get made for decades now. Yeah, and Netflix was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what did you think about it? Uh, it's a David Fincher film, so I'm automatically going to like it. Now, it just, it just depends on what level of likability I have for this film. Um, just to preference this, uh, Kelsey and I had actually never seen Citizen Kane, uh, before we had recorded. Um, I'm sorry. We, we we recently watched Citizen Kane. It was actually my first time watching it, Kelsey's first time watching it, and we watched it for context to be like, okay, let's understand why Mank is so important, why Citizen Kane is considered like it's Citizen Kane is considered like literally like the greatest film ever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so watching that and watching this, I'm actually glad. I'm really glad we did watch uh, Citizen Kane before mm-hmm. watching Mank because I'm sure you and I would probably would have been like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, so that being said, I, I, like I said, I, I did enjoy the film. 
I have to, I know I have to rewatch it again. I think this movie, some people are already calling it like a great film and it looks amazing. It's David Fincher. And mm-hmm. I like the fact that it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also like the typewriting across the screen. Oh yeah. Yeah. There is, um, <laughs> this is not a spoiler, but there is when they do like scene cuts or the scene changes, they'll do like, they'll type up exterior uh, Paramount, Paramount Picture Studios day or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's typical screenwriting format, which I remember when we saw that, I looked at Kelsey, I was like, yo, David Fincher's in my fucking head. Because that's how I view a lot of stuff when I watch. I'll I'll see the script being typed in my head. Mm. Um, So it looks great. Um, The black and white looks really fucking dope. I like the feel of it. Because you hear like the old, the uh, classic old-timey music. Mm -hmm. Because it gives you that feel of like, if this movie was made in like 1941 Mm -hmm. as well. Which I do like, I kind of wish they had that grainy look too. But uh, it, it. But to be fair, mm. they did take away some of the crispness. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know, like it, it's not as crisp as like modern cameras would mm. be. Yeah, um, there are some phenomenal shots in this movie, like some amazing, phenomenal shots and use of black and white. Um, I read that there is no colored version of this movie at all. Mm-hmm. Um. <sighs> I didn't. I didn't love it straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, what was it? like Gone Girl? I thought Gone Girl was great. I love Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, what's some Social Network, which we'll talk about later. You know, spoilers for that. I love Social Network. I think that's like Fincher's best work. Mm-hmm. This one, I think I'm going to appreciate over time. Um, I think it's just because you you don't get to know the characters as. Mm. There's so many characters, you can't know them all. Yeah. So you have to rewatch it, I think, to really mm. get. I got lost, honestly. Half, yeah. half of it, I was like, okay, I'm now I'm just watching this because Gary Oldman's phenomenal and, mm. it, you know, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, there are there are there are parts in the movie where it took me a second to be like, oh, they're talking about this because even the dialect is very like old timey. Yeah, and, so, and I was having a hard time understanding uh, Amanda Seyfried. A little bit. Oh, like like her. Like, bo- yeah, sometimes because of her um, old timey voice. Yeah. Um, uh, as, as Kelsey said, like Gary Oldman does a an amazing performance in this movie. I would not be surprised if he gets nominated for an Oscar for this role. Oh, I did the thing with, with him what? that I just did with Metal Gear Solid. What? Remember, I was like, I um I thought Robert Redford was dead. Oh. I mean Robert Forster. <laughs> and then um you mean you then it was not him either. No no you're like you're like you're like I I you said I'm I always I thought he was dead because I confused him with Robert Redford and I was like Robert Redford's not dead and you're like Robert Forster I'm like Robert Forster's not dead but Robert Forster is dead I was just obviously pulling your leg but yeah just the fact that you like mixed that up again oh yeah and I swear <laughs> to God this will never get old this will never get old because my brain is like what leaves in bound is Kelsey doing to reach that conclusion <laughs> Not just that, but we've met him. We met Robert, Robert Forrester. Forrester. Yeah, we both had a conversation with him. Nice, nice as dude. You're like Robert Forrester. You've met Robert Forrester. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did what did you what did you think about this movie? Um, it has all the bits and pieces to be good. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't fall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't follow it I, mm. like 
I'm glad I watched Citizen Kane, which I feel like I will also have to rewatch because some of that was a little hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, because the narration to me, it was mm-hmm. good, but it was a little back and forth. Yeah. Um, and hard to understand too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just don't fully understand this movie and who mm-hmm. like who everybody is because yeah. there's just so many people. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie, this movie starts off like you should already know all these people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's not my kind of movie, by the mm-hmm. way, because I don't know people, obviously, from what we just talked about. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I get everybody confused. Yeah, and it's and it's understandable because like um, some of the characters, like they don't like just throw you in. They give you like a quick mention, like um, uh, the guy who played. Uh, let me see. The guy who played, what's his name? Not Orson Welles. Uh, or like the guy who played Ra- William Randall Hearst, uh, mm-hmm. Charles Dance. Like if he, like they mention him and then they bring him in. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, you know who he is? Boop, we're good. Like we're going to go. We're good to go. Yeah. And then you get like little tiny sprinkles, but more like, oh, you should already know this. Oh, you should already know this. You should already know this. Kind of like information and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which to anybody who doesn't know, like, don't really know who these people are you're just like okay this must be like an important person but then here comes another person all right this might be the important person like yeah over and over like it kind of does it over and over and that's the thing like i don't with that and then the multiple jumping around of flashbacks and stuff like mm-hmm. time wise sometimes it gets confusing the characters get confusing mm. and the fact that they're just following like a basically a mad scientist or a mad genius around mm. without any context of who those people around him actually are and what mm. they've actually done. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people showing up to, it's almost like he's on his deathbed. And that's, that's the thing. Um, the one thing I have to really give this movie credit for is that it does play out like Citizen Kane. Um, <clears throat> where in Citizen Kane, the movie starts off with the main, I mean, fucking spoiler. I mean, this movie came out in 1941. Uh, the main character is dead within the first, what, like five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you find out like his life and everything. And it kind of jumps back and forth. Um, this movie does the same thing. I think it does it a little bit better because you do get the flat, the indication that this is a flashback, mm-hmm. you know, which does help. Um, but there are times where it does do that jump that if you, if you missed it, you're like, wait, wait, like, where are we now? Yeah. Like, at what point is this, you know? Um, so, yeah, like I said, like, they, they introduced, like, Louis B. Mayer, the guy who, like, ran Paramount Pictures. Mm. And if you don't catch Yeah, and who, I'm like, who the fuck is that the whole time? I still was like, I don't know why he's significant till yeah. the very end. Yeah, I know, exactly. And, like, if you don't catch who that character is at the beginning, you're kind of going to be like, oh, he's important, but why is he important? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Amanda Sidfried... Uh, I I do like her. She does play a good like old time actress. Me too. Yeah, I liked her too. Um, she was definitely good in this. I liked how her and uh, Gary Oldman were bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny because I think anybody else would have like written written this movie like oh they're gonna like fall in love for there's some type of sexual tension. Mm-hmm. But you got a strong sense of like no they're just like good friends. Yeah, I didn't get any sexual tension uh, between those two, but. What I really did like about Amanda Seyfried mm. is she, um, what was I going to say? I don't know. What were you going to say? 
<laughs> I like how subtle it, how subtly it was written, mm. and how well she played it. That even one of the characters mentioned how intelligent she was, but how unintelligent she came across. Oh, like yeah. she was more intelligent than she looked. Yeah. Um, and I really like. I don't know. There was some kind of weird disconnect there that was genuine like mm. i don't know like it was some kind of vulnerability that other people have yeah. that they try to hide and maybe she did a good job of hiding it but if you knew if you were good at reading people you could catch it yeah and like they they didn't amanda sidfrey and and amanda sidfrey didn't play the character dumb which they could have mm-hmm. um i'm sure I don't I don't know exactly how much I mean Jack Fincher's name is like on the script, but we don't know if it's been altered by a bit or anything like that. I wouldn't be surprised if if it had like a little bit been uh changed and then, you know, Jack Fincher still gets the credit. Um But yeah, there are times where like they 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 don't they don't play her like she is stupid. There's actually like this really good scene between her and Gary Oldman where there's like a kind of a I'll say like a friendly confrontation about like whether this, uh, Citizen Kane should get made or not. Mm-hmm. And like they both come to an understanding like, okay, this is going to happen and I hope we're still friends Yeah. at the end of it. And it's like, it's played up very well and beautifully shot. It's, it's, I, I know what scene you, I, I think you would imagine what scene I'm talking about. No, I know exactly what scene you're talking about because I remember how beautiful that was too. Yeah. Um, and also I like their fucking picnic basket. <laughs> I was like, shit, I want to buy that. Uh, I have to ask you this. What do you think about your boy? What's his name? Tom. Uh, Tom Pelfrey? Yeah, what do you think about your boy? I know you really like that actor. So I do have a few things to pick apart in a good way. Oh, with him? With him. Okay. Okay. So I'll reiterate because I think I've brought it up before. Mm. I know him from his soap opera days. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my head. She's going to mention soap opera days. <laughs> There's something really genuine about his acting because he's Mm. not like everybody else. He almost seems like he's overcome some kind of like trials and tribulation and shit. No, like almost like a like a disability or something because he talks like so slow Mm. and deliberate sometimes. Mm, And he has a little bit of a shake in in his body or in his voice. Okay. And I think it actually lends to the the how genuine he actually is when he is acting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I've heard him before on the soap opera, I've heard him as Warden on fucking Iron Fist. And I, I keep forgetting he was in that show. I know. Jesus. And I'm just like, God, he talks so fucking slow. Mm-hmm. Not that it really bothered me, but sometimes, like, I can, it takes me a little bit out. Mm. But as he was playing um, Joseph Mankiewicz, mm. he actually could sound a little old timey. Oh, yeah. He, he rocks that role, like, very well. Like, he wasn't, that wasn't as apparent in that character as it was in any other character I've seen him play. Uh huh. And so that, for me, that was like a good stretch of like okay he could be different hey i just want you to know he has a twitter account if you want to if you want to stalk him on there (laughs) (laughs) and he updates it kind of regularly too yeah uh yeah he yeah december anyway i'm sorry go on didn't mean to think you're just Um, under your way 
I really, really like him because he's he, like, I swear to God, he can do emotions so goddamn well. Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. And we watch him in Ozark. Yeah, yeah. He was in Ozark. <laughs> it's it, Okay. Can you remember what? Can you remember what soap opera you saw him in? Guiding Light. Guiding Light. All right, cool. Yeah, he was in Guiding Light and As the World Turns. <laughs> that As the World Turns was before Guiding Light because As the World Turns got canceled before Guiding Light did. Ah, okay, okay. Um, and in, <laughs> I'll just give you a little bit of background. Okay. He played the bad boy in Guiding Light. He had a leather <laughs> jacket and he rode motor- motorcycles. I totally picture him doing that. And there was... A girl that he was interested in, and it turned out to be his cousin, and they got married anyway. Yeah, well, it happened in the Crown, so yeah. <laughs> um, well, they got married, and they were actually like a cute fucking couple, though. Like <laughs> a, a cute, like a cute couple of cousin fuckers. <laughs> so you know, like he could actually tone down that bad boy side and mm-hmm. like really turn it into like want to take care of this person, like ride or die. Uh, yeah. So Tom uh, Pelfrey, right? Mm-hmm. Or, Pelfrey? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember. That's the thing. I do remember seeing him in, in Netflix's Iron Fist. I didn't finish that first season. And then he popped in, like, Ozark. And I was like, wow, why does that dude look so familiar? You pointed out. I was like, oh, this is a much better role. Yeah. And I remember I remember him sticking out the Well, for me, he stuck out the most at the Ozark. What was it season three, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, his role in this movie, it's really really good um i do enjoy the fact that he does play joe Man- Man- mankiewicz uh herman's brother um there's a i remember there's a scene where like they're him and gary Ullman are like going back and forth and shit like that and there's a there's a number of scenes where they're going back and forth and i remember like looking at you and thinking all right this dude is working against is working with gary Ullman and david fincher hired him that dude's gonna go places because mm-hmm. david fincher like he picks he he has a certain Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi when it comes to like actors and lenses and shit like that. Like there's a reason why David Fincher is like a master director and shit mm-hmm. like that. So I did really enjoy um, his character, um, Tom Pelfrey. It's Pelfrey, right? Mm-hmm. I, keep, I, feel like, I feel like I keep saying it wrong. Um, and he did fit the mold of that time. Mm-hmm. The only person I didn't like in this movie was Joseph Cross, who played George, uh, Charles uh, Letter. He was... Uh, Amanda Sifri's, uh nephew. I don't, I don't. That's not even ringing a bell. I know. I know. The the the. Okay. I okay. I I didn't like him because he was like too like wimpy, and he had this weird like face like all the time. Um, I didn't like the actor who was playing the guy who ran and lost. No. Oh. Um, uh, I've seen him before, and I like him, but I didn't like how he was. The written. guy who played Louis B. Mayer. Oh, uh, Arliss Howard. That dude was a dick. God, he was a dick. Mm. Um, and of course, it's so funny seeing Charles dance in it. And we were, we were just been we were watching him in the Crown. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's Charles dance, fucking Tyron Lannister. Um, you want to hop into the spoiler section? Yeah. Okay, folks. Uh, so for those who uh, have seen Mink, we're going to hop into the spoiler section. Uh, for those who haven't seen Mink, Mink, here's your spoiler bumper right about now.
so it was the fan for my laptop. I need a new laptop. <laughs> um, so let's so let's talk about that that one scene. Um, the back and forth, the the little conver- the com- uh, conversation between uh, Mank and Marion, um, out like out in the open. Yeah, the one where they were. It was towards the end of the film. Yeah, it's towards the end of the film, and there's this really great scene. Well, leading up to this, um, uh, his brother and other people are just like, like Herman, like, don't write the script. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's clearly about, um, it's clearly about William Hurst, you know. And people are just like, don't do this, don't do this. And eventually, like Marion comes to visit him, mm-hmm. and there's this really great scene, really great dialogue when she says, um, she says, if this movie never gets made, I hope, I hope you can forgive me. And then he goes, if this movie does get made, I hope you can forgive me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like they were on even playing field. Like, there, there's a, I mean, even like the scene where like they, um, first, their first walk around, like the Hearst compound, mm-hmm. which this movie has tons and tons of like Citizen King sprinkled around. Like, yeah, can, like the grandness of the rooms and like mm-hmm. the statues and all of that. Yeah, and even like the Hearst character, and how, it's like there's been much debate on on the making of Citizen King because um, uh, Making Wits's name is on it, Orson Welles' name is on it. There's been much debate about who wrote what and how much. And there are people who are of the mind that like, well, Mank is the one who solely wrote the script, and Orson Welles took credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they they straight like try to like put it out there like no Meg wrote the script and will and Orson Welles you know took try to take credit that's like a common practice in Hollywood mm-hmm. you sign a contract um you sign a contract saying you're gonna write the script and your name won't get credited but you will get a ton of money mm-hmm. like there's a lot of script writers that survive off of that um uh what's her name Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher Carrie Fisher was before she passed away, she was known as what's called a script doctor. Mm-hmm. And a script for those who don't know, a script doctor, what their job is, the studio comes to them and says, like, we have this script, but the script writer is giving us a hard time and won't change anything. So, boom, you need to fix this. And they go, all right, cool. And then they, that's it. Like, they get money for it and they fix the script. The person who wrote the script still gets credit, but it's, it's not their vision. Like, completely their vision. So would she be the reason why shit fails then? <laughs> because like that's the thing. Sometimes when shit fails, whose ever name is on the fucking on the marquee or on the on the production, uh-huh. they get the blame for it. And normally, most of the time, like the people who that's the thing, they take a level of responsibility. Like if the script is shit and the the, the film bombs, it's gonna fall on you. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's just how Hollywood works. Uh, Mank was known to do that to like fix scripts. Yeah. Um, so this movie like plays. This movie really shows the idea that like he was very passionate about this story, yeah. about creating this. Um, and, <sighs> and he didn't want to take credit for it if it was a shit script. Yeah. And then, and also, I think he kind of wanted to hide behind somebody else too because. Yeah, in case it was a bad script. Well, not just because if it was a bad script, but because, like. Somebody else was bringing it. Like, if someone else had their name on it, that mm. means someone else is bringing it to light. Yeah. Even though everyone knew he fucking wrote it, like. Yeah. Um, and they explore the relationship between Mank and William Randall Hearst, which I, I get it that he didn't like him, 
But I honestly feel like I didn't get the degree of how much he hated him. Or all that, all the reasons why. I felt like it was very petty. Yeah. In a way. Because the guy seemed... Which is probably what was Manx's like, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it seemed like everyone loved the guy. And he was always, like, just throwing parties or whatever. Mm-hmm. And even though in Citizen Kane he wrote, um, what's her name? Uh, Marion. Marion. Marion's Dave. character as, like... Oh, yeah, like Susanna or something. Or yeah, Sam. as, mm-hmm. like, being caged in and shit. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like she actually loved the, loved him and wasn't as unhappy as Mink wanted her to seem. Yeah, like there's that one part where uh, Mank is. It's we're going back to the scene where Mank and Marion are going back and forth. Um, so, oh yeah, uh, Dorothy uh, Commongore. That was the actress that. Um, okay, so Dorothy Commongore was the actress who played uh, Susan Alexander Kane, who was supposed to be a representation of Marion Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's this great scene where Mank and Marion are going, or like talk, the scene where they're talking about it, and she's like, she's like, I didn't see him, I didn't see him more than like security, mm-hmm. but over time I got to love him, mm-hmm. and I I do love him, like, and she even talks about how like they have like their own like little secrets that comes in like relationships, like little like snickers and laughs and stuff like that that mm-hmm. only they would understand, and how you can tell Mank is like torn by this, but he kind of like. Like, he feels he's, like, the honest individual mm-hmm. who's essentially, like, throwing people underneath the bus to, like, get what he... To, to get them film made. Yeah. Um, I feel like if there's anybody that he really hated, it was fucking Meyer. The the guy behind Paramount Pictures. Yeah. That, like, it seemed like... I don't know. It's I guess that's why he made the character... Um, uh, like uh, Jediah Leland from Jedediah. Yeah, Jedediah. Remember how Jedediah was kind of like sniveling, snobbing, mm-hmm. and everything says and came. Yeah, I can see why he made him like that to really like shit on him. Yeah. Um, what was what, what what was the epilogue? The epilogue says something like he never took credit for any other script ever again, right, or some shit like that. Yeah, he never wrote and wrote or took credit for or made money off of a script ever ever. Like after that, was that the epilogue? I thought I thought something that, like that. Yeah, I thought. Well, I thought he did make money, but he just never took credit again. No, Jesus shit. I think that was it. <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, Mank is he's he's no saint. I mean, his wife calls him out on it, saying about I dealt with your alcoholism, or you know, your suicidal alcoholism. Yeah. Was that, when I saw that, I I heard those those two word combinations. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Let me go ahead and steal that and write that down somewhere. <laughs> um, well. Um, not just that, but he died pretty young. Yeah, he was like 52, I think. Something like that. Yeah, alcoholism's a bitch. So, he probably died not that long after that movie was made. I think it was like seven years or something. I think he was, from what I read, I think he was like 43 when Citizen Kane came out. Yeah. So, he died like not even 10 years. Yeah, so it was nine years. Damn. Well, he looked like, well... He looked like shit, and Gary Oldman looked like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so they they really knocked that out of the park. Yeah. Um, so let so let's talk about the direction. Is there? I mean, I mean, you know my what I like. What was one of the scenes that I liked the most? I liked the most. What was? Is there anything that stuck out with you in the direction? Um. There's a difference between 
directing to make a movie go forward and directing to make it visually pleasing. Right? Mm. So I'm going to say that I don't feel because I got so lost that he did a good enough job directing to keep the movie go the the story going mm-hmm. because I got lost so much. Okay. So visually speaking though, when Mink met met Marion, mm-hmm. um and they were both standing up on what was essentially like in one of her movie scenes where she was going to get burned on like oh, a yeah, stake or something. Yeah, yeah. They were standing there talking and there was a spotlight that was on behind them. Mm. And I thought that was really like really pretty. Oh, okay. Like how they had that set up. It was nice. Mm. Also, I think it was really interesting how they met on on a, on the set. On the stake. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. They're both gonna be burned alive in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, from what I read, um uh after Citizen King, like Marion uh Mar- what's her name? Marion Doris or something like that. Um Marion Davis, she like never Davies. Acted. Yeah, Davies. She like never acted again. I don't think she really wanted to though. Yeah, she seemed like she kind of just like yeah, because she I, wanted to be like Hollywood elite, but not mm. do the acting or the singing. Yeah, I think I re- remember reading that um, she had been she had been performing since she was like a child. Yeah, and she probably got to a point where she was like, I'm I'm done with this stuff. Yeah. Um. So there are quite a few scenes, uh, similar scenes to this and Citizen Kane that I think works out really well. Um, like the part where they're at that, uh, that GOP party mm-hmm. during election year and, uh, and the way how like Mank and, and, um, Meyer, they take that bet and how like they have time, like going forward and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's a really great shot where you see Mank's face and you see like clocks around him and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which like gives off that old, like 1940s vibe to it, mm-hmm. which which I think is one of the reasons why, like I, I, like I said, really do like this movie, but I feel like I need to rewatch it again. Yeah, yeah. That was the one that stood out for you. Well, that's one of the scenes that stood out for me. That and the picnic scene. And the picnic, the picnic scene. The reason why I really like that is because mm-hmm. of how the camera moved. Mm-hmm. They had that really, like I have a thing for old cars. So oh, okay. The old car out there, and the wind was blowing through the trees, and mm-hmm. it was like pollen or like you know like seeds coming off of like the trees and stuff and it was very like almost like a studio ghibli scene but in black and white oh i can totally see that yeah especially like how the sunlight was like between them and between the trees yeah um that's what i liked about it there was i I just thought about this now and i didn't point out when we're watching it but there's like there's like a subtle like dolly pull if you notice, like when they when they have the establishing sh- establishing shot, mm-hmm. you can see on the the car on the right, it's like kind of expanding, mm-hmm. and you can almost see like a slow dolly pull being put in. And I know dolly pulls are meant to like have a dramatic effect, like oh shit, like here's an intense mm-hmm. scene. I think it was cool how Fincher used that as like oh this is intense, but this is gonna be like a slow intense scene, yeah. <laughs> which is not intense it's like it's, it's weird it's weird to say it. it's like an oxymoron slow intense well it's like what, when we say like a slow burn like it's not mm. it's not overly it's dramatic but it's not um overly suspenseful or whatever yeah um what did, oh what did you think about that part with uh when uh when his brother joe showed up at the 
at the house out in Victorville. Remember, like, they were talking, going back and forth about the script and how they were, like, kind of, like, cracking jokes at each other? Yeah. I remember that scene. I remember that scene happened. <laughs> but I don't remember. that. I was already kind of lost by that point. Because mm. then all these, you know, it was, like, person after person kept showing up to see him. Mm. And I really never understood what Joseph's point was in this movie. Like, I thought his yeah. character was great, and I knew that he was kind of there trying to protect his brother and, like, work with him a bit. But, mm. like, other than that, I just don't... I felt like he was still trying to find his way. Mm. And so he showed up, and I was like, okay, his brother came to see him. Like, Oh, okay. There's a there's a bit of dialogue. Um, oh, that's one thing we didn't talk about, the dialogue in this movie. Some of the dialogue is like... Like I said, we some of it we got kind of lost on a little bit because it's like that old-time old-timey dialogue mm-hmm. but the but there are plenty of pointer parts where like you and i like laughed or just like oh that was a good one mm-hmm. um like uh going back to that scene there's that part where uh joseph's leaving joseph is leaving and mang tells him he's like i'm a washed up i'm, I'm washed up and joseph has been pushing him like you need to like make sure this movie never gets made like this will essentially uh, blackball you mm-hmm. and he goes like i'm washed up and then he looks and he goes like this is your. This is the best thing you've ever written. As he's walking away. Yeah, yeah. It's like that delivery. Uh, yeah. Of like this is the best thing you've ever written. But there was um, like at the GOP party was a good example because yeah. before oh, they yeah, yeah, get in and before they get into their their party where they're gonna sit. Yeah. Him uh, and his wife are Mink and his wife are having a conversation and she's like, "Don't say anything." If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Yeah. Ugh. So they get to the table and everyone's like making small talk or whatever. And he's Ugh. just smiling, going, mm-hmm. <laughs> like nodding his head. And, you know, he's not even like saying mm-hmm or anything like that. He's just nodding his head and smiling. Yeah. And then they ask him a question or no. Then he like picks up the big bottle of champagne. He goes, well, this is what I'm drinking. What is everyone else having? Yeah, yeah. It's like small. Then we started laughing because we totally got the how he was writing that. Yeah. Um, there's one part. Oh, Lord. I fucking forgot. Um, no, yeah. There's. Oh, now I remember the part where Mank uh, crashed that Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this great, great dialogue where like Mank is like, "Oh, I have an idea for a movie," and he's like, he's essentially like calling people out on their shit, like, mm-hmm. but like the characters are this, this, and he's like clearly like the characters this. I'm really talking about you, mm-hmm. you know, which I've done that in my head like plenty of times. Um, but there's that great line where uh where Myers like or Mayor says like um. Hearst, Hearst keeps you around because he doesn't like the way you write. He likes the way you talk. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my God. I would punch somebody in the fucking face if they said that to me. <laughs> right there, you can, like, picture the calculations Mank is making in his head. Like, I'm going to fuck this guy over now. Because mm-hmm. he essentially like, just shit on his writing. And Mank, yeah. is, Mank despite Mank saying, Mank does whatever what every artist does, whatever writer does, musician does. It's shit. My th- my stuff is shit, and you have to hear like validation mm-hmm. over and over. Kelsey's. We do it to each other. Yeah, we I'm do. constantly telling you, yes, you're a good writer. You have good ideas, <laughs> and you're constantly telling me like, yes, you are smarter than you think you are. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's like little subtle like digs like that that when you catch them like they're felt. Mm. Um. And then there's some of the dialogue. You're just like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> 
can we talk about his uh, caretaker? Not not the nurse, but the British girl. Yeah, Lily Collins. I think she matched Gary Oldman. Oh, wit for fucking wit. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like she wasn't an alcoholic, and I feel like she could keep up with him. They bounced off each other well. Um, like, it was so funny because in one of the scenes, his wife was like, you know, are you, like, something about, are you done with your ch- your platonic affairs? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's exactly what that is. <laughs> like, when, yeah. you, when you're kind of like, you love, you're not having sex with someone, but you're like, you love that person because you really love, like, how they think or, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I really, I really enjoyed that her her character. The um, she Rita, actually Rita Alexander. She reminds character. me a lot of um, Clara from Doctor Who. Which one was Clara? That's Donna Noble, right? No, that's Donna Noble. Uh, oh, the black girl, right? Clara. No, no, oh, no, no, no. Clara. Uh, that's <sighs> Clara Oswald. Carol, Clara Oswald. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can picture. Oh, yeah, I can totally picture that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I can totally picture that. Maybe we got a maybe we got a Doctor Doctor Who season in the work between the two. I fucking hope so. <laughs> Gary Oldman is a doctor. No, she <laughs> should be the doctor. <laughs> That'd be dope. I can picture that. No, you know what? I want Ruth as the new doctor. I don't know who Ruth is. She's like her letter. They call they nicknamed her Doctor Ruth. Oh, or the or the Ruth Doctor because that's a, that's a whole separate thing. It's like I'm like jumping right into spoiler ter- territory with that shit. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, Lily Collins, she does a she does do a great job going against Gary Oldman mm-hmm. and how the characters are constantly like big. They're not bickering. They're going back to back and forth, and they both have like an incredible level of like respect for each other. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought there. I thought that shit was so hilarious. Where, um, like they they put him in that house so he could dry up and write Citizen Kane, and then like and he th- couldn't even write it. He couldn't even write because he was sober. Yeah, yeah, and like, um, the guy kept a, a, the doctor with like a would say like oh you know if you get the first draft done you get a reward of this and then mm-hmm. like the next day he like drank a whole bottle and people were just like how the fuck did he get it you know <laughs> but that was like really hilarious yeah i like that too and then he slept and slept and you're like oh shit like i almost thought he was dead yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean all in all like I like this movie. I, I do really like it. I know I know I'm definitely gonna rewatch it. It's kind of giving me that Zodiac feel, where the first time I saw Zodiac, I didn't really like it. I was like, eh, it's all right. It's a good adventure film. And now I watch Zodiac maybe like once a month because I got to like learn to appreciate it for like the storytelling and like the characters. Mm-hmm. But that's another one where they bring in a few different characters yeah. and you don't know who they are necessarily yeah. and like. You don't have enough time with them to really know what's going on. Yeah, so I think I, I think it's probably gonna go the same pro- process with Mank. Like I probably will like learn to like love this movie, and not like I'm forcing myself to love it, but like I just plus I, at the time I wasn't in the right head headspace when we were watching it. Yeah. Um, same. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure like if I rewatch it, which actually I take that back. No, I don't take that back. I was. I was listening to the movie today as I was like getting some work done. I had it like in my headphones while on my laptop. Mm-hmm. As I'm listening to the dialogue, I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm liking I'm liking just what I'm hearing. 
I almost think that there's so much dialogue, it might even be easier to listen to than to watch. Mm. Like, like, um, like, like audio the di- yeah, like the dialogue and, um, the visual aspect of it, mm. they're both so rich mm. that they almost cancel each other out at times because they're, they're overwhelming. Like there's yeah. so much. It's like you have to deaden one of your senses to take it all in the other way. <laughs> yeah, that's David Fincher. That was his mission, to make a movie so beautiful and dialogue so great that you got to pick one or the other. <laughs> that's what he was going for. <laughs> I would have been curious to see this on the big screen. I would actually, I mean, there's nothing like super spectacular, but I would have been curious to see what it looked like on a big screen, like the black and white style of it and everything. Yeah. I, I got ex- remember I got excited. I saw the cigarette burn in the corner. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. The movie does that too. It does the cigarette burn? That's so funny. Yeah. Well, you want you want to tell that story? Yeah. Um. So you were telling me how, like, back in the old, like when the film was new, mm-hmm. they would put like a cigarette burn, um, at a certain point on mm-hmm. the film to let the projectionist know that they had to start the other one up. Yeah, and you said it was like an art because if your timing was off, then it was noticeable, but a lot of them were so good that you couldn't tell. Yeah. That the film cuz the films were only so long. Um so you know, you told me that and then like I don't know, we got probably like 30 minutes into the movie and I'm <laughs> like, "Oh look, I saw it." And you're like, "You just saw it now?" <laughs> like I've been seeing it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it pops up maybe like once every like scene change or something like that. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah, right. yeah. It, I mean, it was the same thing as the script writing format. Every time there was going to be a scene change, yeah, you, I think you would know because the cigarette burn would pop up first. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny. Like, oh yeah, I saw it. Like now. <laughs> uh, so what, what's what's your what's your final take on on make? Um. I definitely think it's for cinephiles. Like, if you're a Fast and Furious type watcher, don't watch it. Oh, yeah, you're not going to watch it, no. Um, but if you really like, like, period pieces for, like, Hollywood type stuff. Mm. Oh, I forgot to mention, I think they reused the set from... Oh, yeah, from that... Um, from the Netflix show Hollywood. What? Is that... I think that, sh- I think that show is named Hollywood. Um computer died yeah it's just called hollywood oh your shit's plugged in oh okay everything all right with your, with your laptop yeah it's fine okay yeah the hollywood movie the one uh it's on a show a, yeah it's a show the show uh is brought together by ugh, ryan brian murphy ugh. Ugh. yeah i remember the gate mm-hmm. i remember the um the room mm-hmm. where the paramount executive was yeah and then even where they had like the little cafeteria area looked the same. Oh, okay. They probably like I'm sure that that's that cafeteria and like the stuff you're describing, I'm sure that's like a common like uh set that they use for like old time like if they ever want to do like an old timey movie on based on Hollywood, they're like, Oh, let's go get that set, you know, the set's in four B or some shit like that's that. That's what I'm saying. I think they did use the same one because yeah. it worked. Yeah. Um so yeah, so what's your <laughs> yeah? So um, anything else you want to add on to the whole? This is more for cinephiles comment that you made. Um, I will say Amanda Seyfried. I think she's a little underrated. Mm. Um, but I don't think she chooses roles that really showcases her acting very much. But this one did. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Meta Sifri, she's been kind of coming up, taking like these more serious roles, and this was like a really good. This was like a really good, like intelligent role, mm-hmm. and she 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 did it very well. She was. I mean, Gary Oldman's going to be Gary Oldman. He's going to be this great actor, but it was cool to see Amanda Seyfried like keep up with him, mm-hmm. which was totally awesome. Yeah, so I th- I think it's worth a watch. I like it. Excellent, excellent. Anything else? We good? Good. All right. What do we got up next? We have variety time. We are going to talk about Warner Brothers. They're all in. They're all in. Deep doo doo. Deep. <laughs> well, fuck. We will see. <laughs> You want to you wanna start it off? Yeah, Warner Brothers is actually going to debut all, mm-hmm. all of 2021's, their film slate for 2021. Yeah. Um, that includes Dune and Matrix 4, and they're going to be debuting everything both on HBO Max and in theaters. <sighs> Um, I don't know. You told me that, and I kind of thought, oh, that's kind of a good idea because you're covering both bases for people who want to get to the movies so bad that they're mm-hmm. not, they're just going to throw caution to the wind and be like, oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And also people who just want to stay at home and watch stuff on HBO Max. And you're like, no, that's a desperate move. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I, I, I mean, <sighs> Because I, I remember seeing this news drop, and all I kept saying was, holy shit, like, they are, are they fucking serious? I mean, not only not only are they doing Matrix 4, they're doing Dune, but there's also going to be, they're also going to put Suicide Squad on HBO Max, Godzilla vs. King Kong on HBO Max, I mean, Space Jam, the, Conquering, the, the new Conjuring film, King Richard... <laughs> It's, it's it's a it's a lot, and some of these movies, granted, not all of them, uh, but some of them deserves the theater going experience. Matrix Four, Dune, Suicide Squad, fucking Godzilla, King Kong, um, theater going experience. You know, Black Messiah, I can understand that. Or those who wish me dead, I can understand that. King Richard, like stuff like that, I can understand being like, all right, we can, that can be on the streaming service. Okay, however. The fact that they're doing all of this, like, I, I, I know it's not going to be in a single month. Because that, that they would just cannibalize themselves if they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact they're doing this, you can tell they are getting desperate. Because Netflix is still a big powerhouse in the streaming wars. Um, I think, what's up next? I think maybe Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime and probably like Hulu is like second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney Plus is coming up now because they have The Mandalorian. They're now. They did Mulan. Their soul is going to be coming out now. Um, it's 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 really crazy. I like. I was shocked that that they decided to pull the trigger for Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Mm-hmm. That's going to get released in December on HBO Max. Um, there, <laughs> the the quote from um, 
the, uh, there was a quote from, I think it was like the president of Warner Brothers. He says, we're living in an unprecedented, unprecedented time, which calls for creative solutions, including the new initiative of Warner Brothers picture group. Um, no one wants film. No one wants film back on the big screen more than we do. We know new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have to balance this with the reality that most theaters in the U.S. will likely operate at reduced capacity throughout 2021. I'm gonna say it off the bat: when this shit hits streaming, and they're they're gonna be streaming on like 4K. Mm-hmm. When this shit hits streaming, the the next hour you will find these movies on torrent. Mm-hmm. Straight up, they will. They're gonna lose a shit ton of money. This is my opinion, but this is that's just how the world works. Mm-hmm. Um, who said that? It was oh, it was CEO and uh, Cernoff who said that. Um, they said it's gonna be an uh, it's a unique plan, a unique one year plan. Mm. So they're like, I can't believe they're fucking do. I I'm so shocked they're fucking doing this. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked but also like my thing is people need to get paid and there's so much pressure that they're getting from Mm -hmm. like you know you have you know what it takes to make a movie yeah so all these vendors that you're using need to be paid Mm -hmm. and how can you pay them or make money to keep operating if you are sitting on these movies movies, that could be gold mines Mm. and so like i i mean I would say they should hold off, mm. but then at the same time, like, maybe they don't exist next year. Who, Warner Brothers? Yeah, I mean, they're too big for that to really happen, but, mm. like, I don't know. I just think, like, a lot of the smaller companies mm. that go into making a movie for, like, Warner Brothers, mm. they might not be in existence next year if they don't get paid. Yeah, that's true. So, um, I don't know. I think that's part of the reasoning behind it. That I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would imagine that's part of the reason. Um, and another, uh, but another group of people or another group is going to be affected by this. It's, uh, is the theaters. Um, they rely on these movies just to stay alive. And they're really struggling right now too. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw somewhere that if the theaters, if the movie theaters got this, if the if Congress released the stimulus package and if the movie theaters got like six hundred billion dollars, like they would be able to survive for a year without an issue. They make too much fucking money. The and theaters? they spend too much fucking money. Well, here's the thing. This is what's really fucked up about the the theater industry. They make their money off of concession stands, mm-hmm. off the concession food, popcorn, hot dog strings, uh, movie pass or whatever. That's how they make their money because the production companies like Warner Brothers or, or Disney or whatever, they take like, I think like 50% of the, of the profit, mm-hmm. maybe like a little bit more, which is like really ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, I remember when a price of a movie ticket was like seven fifty. Fuck, that had to be like twenty years ago, right, or some shit. Almost, because I remember I was what, like, fourteen years old, mm-hmm. like 15, fourteen or fifteen, somewhere around there. Yeah, that was half my life ago, more than half my life ago. Um, one uh, C. C-suit executive at a rival studio said, there's no question that Warner Media is leveraging 
is leveraging this pandemic moment and making a decision for the future of their company by prioritizing streaming. The question is, at what cost um, to this art form? Damn, another well-known high-flying high, uh, high executive estimated that Warner Media is parting with an easy $2 billion in asset. Give reference to HBO Max. Jesus Christ. Um, what did they... I, you found something about AMC or another... Uh, Theaters, right? Well, I saw a comment and someone said, I guess the movie theaters will just be Halloween stores now. <laughs> Damn. That came from a veteran studio executive um, who basically was echoing the same sentiments from power brokers, agents, and other Hollywood insiders. Um, and that's 17 movies. Um, AMC is not happy with Warner Brothers right now, by the way. Like, mm. I'm sure... None of the movie theater chains are, but they're being pretty vocal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, AMC chief Adam Aaron said, Clearly Warner Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie studio division and that of its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup. As for AMC, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. Um, They also released a statement that said these coronavirus-impacted times are uncharted waters for all of us, which is why AMC signed on to an HBO Max exception to customary practices for one film only, Wonder Woman 1984, being released by Warner Brothers at Christmas when the pandemic appears Um, that it will be at its height. However, Warner now hopes to do this for all their 2021 theatrical movies, despite the likelihood that with vaccines right around the corner, the theater business is expected to recover. Jesus. I mean, and that's, and that's if, that's if people take the vaccine. There's other people arguing saying like, they're not going to take the vaccine. There's people arguing on their deathbed. Like I don't have COVID. I'm not dying from COVID. (sighs) And then they die, like, they're, the doctor's are like, no, you have it. And they're like, no, you're lying to me. Everybody's fighting for the Darwin Award. <laughs> um, but Legendary has also kind of joined in on this uh, fight. So now... Legendary is a wing of Warner Brothers. So even people from the inside are like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Um, so AMC is like, nobody's happy at all. Like they're just pissing everybody off. So AMC is not happy. Um, but legendary said that they didn't get any advance notice about, uh, Warner's HBO max plan. Yeah. Um, this was, there was a comment. Let me see. Warner me decisions. Uh, there was a comment from a couple of insiders that said, I'm hearing that Legendary Entertainment either has or will send legal letters to Warner Brothers as soon as today, challenging the decision to put uh, Dennis Villeneuve directed Dune into the HBO Max deal and maybe Godzilla as well. Um, I'm trying to see who said that. It was, oh, it, it, they were deadline, it was a deadline reporter, Mike Fleming. That's who said that. Um, sources said Legendary had no advance notice before last week's announcement that both Dune and Godzilla versus king kong were part of the hbo max plan so they're trying to be like no like give us our movie back we want to put that shit in theater um i know christopher nolan has said 
for as much shit that like I've been giving Christopher Nolan, he at least kind of has a point. Um, he said recently in the ET online that uh, he's in disbelief, especially the way in which they did, uh, alluding to like filmmakers. Like filmmakers were not given notice of this. Like, hey, your movie's going to be on mat on streaming. A lot of filmmakers they want to see their 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 movie on the big screen. They make it for a reason to be put on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say, for example, James Gunn, who's doing Suicide Squad. I mean. That movie's gonna be that movie should be in the theaters because it's gonna be like a it's it's like a, it's it's a summer blockbuster movie. Also, it's like a his redemption movie, <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. a way. Like not that he's a bad filmmaker, but it was like a fuck you to Marvel and Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. There's such controversy around it because they didn't tell anyone in 2021. They've got some of the top filmmakers in the world. They've got some of the biggest stars in the world who worked for years in some cases on these projects, uh, very close to their hearts that are meant to be big screen experiences. They meant to be out there for the widest possible audience. And now they're being used as a, uh, lost leader for the streaming service for the fledging, fledging streaming service without any consultation. Consultation. Consultation there. <laughs> so there's a lot of controversy. This is what Nolan said. Um, we reviewed Tenet a couple months back. We saw it at the drive-in. I think I probably would have enjoyed it more if it was actually in a theater. That's the problem I had with the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. What, you saw it at the drive-in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes, because sometimes the driving, the lighting is not, it's not well, it's not enough. Like, like the 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 darks aren't dark enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's like a lot of like light pollution that kind of takes away mm-hmm. from what you're seeing. Plus, you know, you could be big closer to the screen. Instead, you're like I don't know, six car lanes back, and you're like, all right, is that the cap's hand? That's cap's hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't like, like well, like the cat's out of the bag. Like, I'm. Uh, you know what? HBO Max announced that they're going to do this. I'm. I want to see if they're going to actually pull the trigger. I almost feel like they'll renege later when things start getting better. Yeah, when the theaters start opening up again, they realize all oh, people are coming back to the theaters. They've taken their vaccine shots and all that kind of stuff. Um, for all those thinking, oh, I'll just wait until you know. Uh, the movie comes out and I'll use a free, I'll get a free trial, you know, and I don't have to pay for jack shit. Guess what? They're canceling, they're, they're ending free trial before Wonder Woman come out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I thought about that too. I was like, I wonder if they got that cover. Yep. They got a cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, Disney didn't even do that. Oh yeah, that's true. I guess cause there was just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so these movies they're gonna they're gonna be out. Um, they're said to be released on HBO Max. They will be available for a month, and then they go away. Mm-hmm. Like they go back until I don't know until like they come out for VOD like three, four, five months down the line or something like that. Yeah, which by that time is gonna be too late because um, shit, y'all movies got torrented. Like that's that's going to happen. That is going to fucking happen. Why do they not think about stuff like that? They don't. That's the thing. They, I'm sure they do. I honestly think they do. They just think, oh, the loss isn't going to be that great. Mm. And maybe it won't. But like a movie, let's say a movie that made, let's say through streaming purposes or whatever, it made like a billion dollars. Let's say it made a billion dollars, right? Um, no, I take the back. I'm sorry. That's way too high. Let's say it made, let's say for in terms maybe of it streaming. Maybe like fifth, like 
50 million or something. 50, or let's say like 500. Let's just go ahead and say $500 million, right? Okay. Let's say Wonder Woman makes $500 million in some form or fashion because of new subscriptions or whatever. Okay, cool. If it was in theaters, if y'all just weighed it, it would have made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Or it could have made like $800 million. Like you just knocked off some serious cash because you because you wanted to make money as quickly as possible because you're bleeding cash now. Yeah. Um, but it's Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers has been around since the early, early days of like Hollywood. So is, well, Paramount's kind of barely surviving right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I, like I said, I'm so shocked that this is, that this news came out or this is that their HBO Max is doing this. Plus, I think they're also doing this because they don't have anything to really show. Like, yeah, they don't because, um, the pandemic kind of. Like Euphoria should have came out already with their second season. Yeah. Um, any other projects they were working on, like they've had to to halt. Like even Doom Patrol, we were watching, and I'm like nine episodes, really. Yeah, and they had stuff. I mean, there's stuff that like had already that's already in the in the bank, or um, sorry, that was already like in the bank when HBO Max was created, like Lovecraft Country, for example. That's one that was already like ready to go by the time HBO Max, but like where Netflix has. Let's say, for example, we just talked about Mank. They had a big director put his film solely on Netflix. Disney, like I said, has um, The Mandalorian. They're going to come out with Soul and whatever else. Disney got stuff like they're thinking, okay, we're going to move this here. Amazon has kind of been picking up stuff and having good stuff. Like their biggest hit as of late was like the Borat uh, sequel, mm-hmm. which, was, which they bought from. Oh, I can't remember who they bought that from. I think they bought that from like Sony. Mm-hmm. I think they bought it from Sony. HBO Max hasn't had a big hit. Like, the the only thing that they have coming that people were like, that was excited, somewhat, well, I'm sorry, few, a number of people were excited to hear about was that Justice League movie, <laughs> that six-part movie. Yeah. Now they're like, oh, people are excited about Wonder Woman 1985. All right, let's just go ahead and release the entire slate. Let's all do this. <laughs> so, we'll have to, we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe they're just trying to stay relevant. Yeah. Maybe they don't believe that people will remember who Warner Media is if they <laughs> don't see them for a while. Yeah, they have to justify that giving Zack Snyder seventy million dollars to finish a movie that should not have been finished. Maybe they should let people forget for a little while. You know? But Justice League? No, like Warner Media. Oh, okay. You know, so that they can come back with something spectacular and be like, why did I hate them before? I know. Oh, yeah, Tarzan. <laughs> Dang, you still got so much hatred for that movie. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a memorable night, too, because I watched it like. It was at, like the, it was their premiere. It was at like the, what, the Kodak Chinese Theater, right? Or the Kodak Theater? Mm-hmm. Or it used to be called like the Man's Chinese Theater? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I actually walked down the carpet when they were all leaving, like oh, with people. Looking all fancy and everything. Like, well, yeah. everyone else was fancy. I was in my work clothes. Like, oh <laughs> shit! I look all fucking frumpy and eating all these fucking pictures and shit. I wonder if we can find a picture of you online. Probably. I think there's like an actress from True Blood that was on the carpet. I know. I think I know what you're talking She's about. She's really fucking tall. Yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. All right. Anything else? Nope. All right. What's up next? We are going to do our geriatric cinematic of The Social Network. I need to do 
do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles? I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours? Thousand. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it said. So did we. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster what than any of us ever imagined get it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't wait to stand over your shoulder and what you write as a check. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Is there anything that you need to tell me? Your actions could have permanently destroyed everything I've been working on. We have been working on Did you like being a joke? Do you want to go back to that? Mark! This is our time. Of intentionally breaching security, violating copyrights, violating individual privacy. Your best friend is suing you for $600 million. As for the charges, I believe I deserve some recognition from this board. I I'm sorry? Yes. I don't understand. Which part? This film came out in 2009, and the synopsis is, as Harvard student Mark Zuckerberg creates a social networking site that would become known as Facebook, he's sued by the twins who claimed he stole their idea and by the co-founder who was later squeezed out of the business. Directed by David Fincher, written by Aaron Sorkin, based on the book The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Mesrich. Uh, it stars Jesse Eisenberg, Rooney Mara, Andrew Garfield, Army Hammer, and Max Mingala. You always have a hard time with his last name, too. Mingala? Mingala. Mingala. Like that? Mingala. I mean, obviously. Mark loves this movie. He loves this movie. Oh, I love this movie. I Between this and Zodiac, these are like the two David Fincher films I like revisit. I fucking love this movie. It's so damn good. It's like a Shakespearean play. Oh, it's it's about betrayal, about heartbreak, about lying, and I love this movie. It's so great. Um, oh, I, I I feel like I showed you this movie like four years ago or something. Like we were barely talking. I think I showed you this movie. You did. Yeah. It wasn't. We were barely talking. Mm. I think we'd been friends for a couple years. Remember, we've been friends for almost six now. Oh, God. Six long. And I'm keeping yet. track because, you know, hmm. I don't got any other friends. So I'm like, oh, my God, I made it six years with someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love this movie. Kelsey, what's, what's, what's your take on this movie? How do you feel about it? I like it. You like it? Actually, I like it more the second time. I've only shown this movie twice. The, this last time was the only the second time I've seen it. Yo, I need to rectify. We need to watch this movie like once a month now. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I like it more because the movie's so fast. Mm -hmm. um, Sorkin style, yeah. Yeah, it's such a fast movie that mm -hmm. you're like, okay, like that's a lot. It's like really good. It's not boring. Mm -hmm. So the pacing is like great, and like the characters like. Because it's so fast, like, it's great that there's not too many of them. Mm -hmm. um, and you know who everybody is, and you're like, oh, God, that was such a great story. Yeah. And the second time you watch it, you're like, okay, I already know 
who who everybody is. I already mm. know what's going on. Mm. So now I can start dissecting the dialogue and the little nuances of like the different scenes and like the mm. like the double entendres basically, like the double meanings behind everything. Yeah. Um and I like it more because that's me. Like I like all of the meanings behind things. I like it I like it when people write or direct layers into stories. Mm, okay. And this is full of layers. So, <laughs> uh, I remember when this movie f- first came out, um, one of the complaints this movie had was the dialogue was fast. A lot of people thought that they that the projectionist would actually speed up the movie on purpose uh, because it was so quick. Mm. There's a reason for that. So the script is written as the script has 178 pages, and the studio told, told Sorkin cut at least 30, at least 30 out off, right? So what happened was that Fincher decided to keep all the pages. What he did is that he told Sorkin, I want you to read all this within two hours. And if you succeed, we keep everything. And he did it. (laughs) That's why the movie, the dialogue starts right at the studio logo. Because as soon as the studio logo goes, you're like, boom, we're in it. We're in this movie. There's a conversation. You just see the studio logo. You see what you see, like uh, some credits. You see black or whatever. And we fade in, and dialogue is already going. You're already in the middle of this conversation. Yeah. And that doesn't take anything away from what we're watching. Um, there are moments where it does stop and it allows you to like soak up what the fuck what was just said, and it does it so dramatically well. It's there are there are so many times where um, a certain character will say something, and mm-hmm. I'll feel that gut punch. <laughs> Within the dialogue, what? No, no, I'm just thinking of a couple of the scenes. Oh, which one? Like when um, they're in the court, and the guy was doing like stupid math to try to like catch him on some kind of thing, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, "Wait, let me let me do the math on that." Yeah, I got the same thing. That's <laughs> a great dialogue. Um, there's this really great part. It's it's. I think it's. It's probably like my favorite scene in the entire movie. And it's that part where um, it's the same court scene where Zuckerberg is uh, in front of the Winklevoss twins and um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Devi uh, Narendra. Um, I'm sorry, Devia. There we go. Devia Narendra. Um, where. He's where Zuckerberg's not even looking at the, the, the attorney and he's like, do I have your attention? And he's like. He's like, it's raining. He's like, do I deserve your attention? He says, I'm like, I've been sworn under oath to uh, answer the question as truthfully as possible. So, yes, I will say that you don't have my attention. And he goes, no. All right. Uh, why don't I deserve your attention? And then he just goes off and he says, like, uh, my mind is on Facebook right now. My, 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 no, like, I think he said, like, 10% of my mind is here and the rest is back at Facebook creating. He's doing so many things that nobody in this room. And he, like, points this finger, like, to everybody. Mm-hmm. And he just lands on it. He says, nobody nobody here in this room, including your clients. As soon as you say clients, his finger, like, lands on them, too. And just that, I'm just like, I love it. Like, I just love that <laughs> shot. Like, how he does it. It's just so, it's so amazing. You know, he was like, you do deserve my respect. You deserve the minimum the respect. minimum amount yeah <laughs> the minimum amount <laughs> yeah and the funny thing is like when this movie first came out people are asking mark zuckerberg like are you really like that like are you, is this and he's like no no it's, it's inaccurate they're not really like that years later 
we find out he is like that. He is a complete fucking asshole. Yeah, exactly. That's why, like, I thought it was funny. They're like, oh, um, one of the characters is like, you're not an asshole, Mark. You're just trying hard, like, hard to be yeah. one. Yeah. No, he is one. Yeah, he is one. I've, you I've, just want to feel bad for him because you know he's fucking autistic. Something, yeah, something must be wrong with Zuckerberg. Actually, you know what? I really like the fact that autistic people are not really considered to have something wrong with them. Mm. Oh, okay. They have, um, they call um, twice gifted. Oh, okay. I can, okay, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes So I sense. like that because that makes me feel better about my own kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Jesse Eisenberg, he was, di- he was diagnosed as having OCD. Um, he said during the interview, the hardest, the hardest thing in this role was that he had to literally speak and have the same manner that he's been struggling his entire life, which lends that level of authenticity, 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 authenticity that like he, it does his performance so damn well. I think Mm. he was like nominated for an Oscar for this, for this role. (laughs) What? You get an Oscar. For being fucked up. <laughs> you get an Oscar for being an asshole. <laughs> you know, you get an Oscar for having OCD. <laughs> He's genuinely, he like, obsessive compulsive. So you get an Oscar for being your your authentic self. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there is there a particular scene that, like, stuck out with, for you? Or, or a number of scenes that stuck out that you're just like, I like this, I like this. That courtroom scene that um, with we... The Winklevoss, with the Winklevoss wins? Uh, where he was talking about you deserve the bare minimum yeah, attention that that twins. part mm-hmm. um that one i liked um <sighs> dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. no there's a few scenes i really can't think of them okay um so then i'll, I'll throw in another scene that i like it is and it's the second this the second my second favorite scene um, it's the part where um, Eduardo gets ambushed and he gets like fucked out of his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, the part where he goes, he goes to the Facebook office and he sees the guy and like you don't, you don't hear what's being said in the office, but you feel it. Mm-hmm. You straight feel it. And when they cut back into him, he's like, "Are you joking? Is this serious?" You know. And the guy's like, "Well." And then he turns around and he walks out and he like goes towards Mark. The way how the camera does like this upward angle mm-hmm. of like he's gonna be towering over this in- entire scene. It's so sweet. I even like how he says Mark's name like he's screaming at him. And when he grabs a laptop, where Justin Timberlake's like, he's plugged in. He goes, "Oh yeah," and just slams the laptop. And he's like, "Are you plugged in now?" <laughs> um, and like, it's it's so great because you have this really great soundtrack done by trent Reznor and atticus ross mm-hmm. which they've won an oscar for and they also did on mink then they done they 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 do work for fincher like fincher is like finch uh that's their guys now whenever fincher got some get got some movie that needs to be made and with a soundtrack he hits up uh, ross and Reznor. um but yeah you hit like the slow piano mm-hmm. in the background which played at the beginning of the movie when Zuckerberg got his heart broken the first time. Mm-hmm. And this scene, he's it's happening again. His best friend is like, he fucked over his best friend. Um, and and Eduardo says, uh, because he, like, he, oh, we can now remember, because Justin Timberlake's character is like, we can't have you parade around with your suits pretending that, you know, you, you work with us or, or that you work here. And he said, 
He says, sorry, I forgot my uh, my Prada at the, at the cleaners, along with my fuck you flip flops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking great. And then that scene where he just goes, you better lawyer up, bitch, because I'm not coming for 30%. I'm coming for everything. <laughs> it's so scary how he delivers that. Like, oh, fuck. You know what? I actually do um, remember. Mm-hmm. One of the scenes that I like is the first time that he's ever really um, called to like a deposition or any type of thing. Like mm. when he's still at Harvard and oh, the- after he does the face mash thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, and there was the, the female, I don't know who she really was, but she was like, um, you know, so you know why you're here today or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, the way I see it, you know, you owe me. And they're like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. He says, like, uh, I, I believe I, I'm I'm owed some recognition for my work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm sorry? Excuse me? And he's <laughs> I like, yeah, I, I deserve some recognition. And she's like, how so? And he's like, well, if I hadn't have done that, you wouldn't have seen all of the issues in your mm. your security. Yeah. um, Your, like, internet security and everything. And yeah. the, the IT guy is there, too. And he's like, yeah, I'm the one who... He caught you? No, Yeah, he's like, I'm the one who caught you. And he's like, yeah, it took you, what, four, four hours? hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what all you had to do was literally just look out my window. And yeah. the coat was on the window. <laughs> it's like subtle, like, it's like little subtle things that, like, they bring back in, like, a big way. Like, even, like, the 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 chicken cannibal scene mm-hmm. where, like, they bring that up and it shows how, like, how... um that could that could come back and like bite Mark in the uh, in the ass mm. during like the f- the deposition when Eduardo was suing him for you know for for the money he's owed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, even Rashida Jones, who was not really well known back then, I mean she had like bit parts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Even her role is actually pretty good too because there's that scene where her and Mark Zuckerberg near the end are having that that talk back and forth, and she's the one who's like, "You're gonna lose." Like, and I'm just, I'm being real with you right now. Because yeah. it seems like nobody's been real with him except her. Yeah. Which was a really great, like, little send-off of, like, this is reality, dude. Like, suck it up. One thing I really like is that, just, like, even though the dialogue is really fast, and that could be enough to show you his level of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that really kind of sold it to me was the fact that he went with his friend you know that he fucked over in the yeah, end Eduardo, but yeah. he went with him to the jewish fraternity oh fuck. and okay. they had oh it was the party right the like caribbean night or yeah, something it was caribbean night and he and he's like well let's go outside and talk and Eduardo's like it's fucking freezing outside and he's <laughs> like i can't stay in here while they play caribbean music with the niagara falls behind <laughs> them it's not even caribbean <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just like little stuff like that. And like nobody else would think about that. Nobody else did think about it. Yeah. And he even like, it's funny because like they, they gear up that, that they gear up that reveal when, if you notice, like when he's in that, when he, when they show him, he's kind of doing like the standoff, like, like kind of weirded out mode. Yeah. Like he's just weirded out the entire situation. Like this doesn't make any sense. But they bring that back up later too. When, when they're in court and he tells them, you know. You can always go back to your fucking Caribbean night at your, you know, Jewish fraternity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He says, like, uh, because, uh, what's his name? 
Eduardo was like, maybe he's like, it's probably just like a diversity thing. And then he like makes that dig at him. He's like, and what did he say at the end? Yeah, maybe it is a diversity thing, which is like, oh, dude, you're an asshole. <laughs> this movie does a great, do- great job showing how much an asshole Mark Zuckerberg is. But it could be like a matter of like perspective. Like yeah. he might have been, he could have been seen as a dig, but he could have just seen it as like, oh, I'm just speaking the truth. Yeah, he does come off like that. But the thing is, is like even that very first conversation that he has in the beginning mm-hmm. with his girlfriend that ends up breaking up with him right there. Mm-hmm. Um, he says something about what did he say that she got all pissed off and. The girlfriend? Yeah. At the beginning? Mm-hmm. He oh, the, oh some- that she got. Oh, he says something like like he pretty much he said something like. um Oh yeah, if I if I get into one of these, oh, if I get into one of these clubs, um, you're oh you you would get to be in social situations that you wouldn't otherwise find yourself in. Yeah, you'll get to go to places and meet people that you would never get to meet on your own. Yeah, and she was like, "Excuse me." Yeah, and exactly. they they kind of write it in a way where it almost seems like he's hiding behind like maybe I am autistic, maybe I don't understand. Yeah certain social situations yeah exactly and then he brings it back later Mm -hmm. and you're like fuck like (laughs) because i think the winklevoss twins brought him into their fraternity to meet like have a sandwich and like meet with the rest of the team yeah yeah and um i think he they said something to him and he like similar to that Mm -hmm. and he was like fuck like, he, he understood exactly what they were saying. So that means he understood it when he said it, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to go off of that particular scene, there's a great line. Rudy Morrow says um, that if somebody said this, I would not be offended. I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you you know your fucking film knowledge. Where she goes, um, dating, dating you is like dating a Stairmaster. Oh, yeah. I fucking love that line so much. Like... Oh shit! <laughs> this, that, that says so much about the relationship. Just that, like that, 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 uh, that comparison. Yeah, it really says that that relationship. How that um, of why they got to that point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, this is a great fucking movie. Fucking hell, like I said, I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack, no lie, the soundtrack was actually part. I think it was actually part of like my workout routine when the gyms were open. <laughs> I like the soundtrack is so good. Uh, one thing that I'm always bothered by is, mm. like, Justin Timberlake was, like, in movies at this time. Mm. He always played the same fucking character, and I still don't like him. Really? Yeah, it's not that mm. he's particularly bad or anything. It's just, like, oh, look, it's Justin Timberlake again. Like, I don't know. I don't see past that. Yeah, um, Justin Timberlake... I mean, he like he's kind of changed up his like attitude a bit and everything. He's kind of trying to be like a more serious person or serious actor or whatever. But and in, in this movie, he plays Sean Barker. But I mean, sorry, Sean Parker. But every time I see him in this movie, all I see is Justin Timberlake. Yeah. You know, I see In Sync, Bye Bye Bye, uh, Justin Timberlake. There was another movie he was in that he was basically the same character. Which, uh, which one? It seems like there's a lot of them. <laughs> I don't know. Probably around the same time, though. Um, even like even in the Coen Brothers Inside Lewin Davis, uh, he has he has a small role role in that movie, uh, but his character is supposed to have like a big 
impact on on the main character but in a way you're just like okay this is just justin timberlake but this is folk justin timberlake now <laughs> yeah let me see what he's been in <laughs> he's been in a lot of fuck he was in trolls yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh shit justin timberlake yeah. uh. Um, I think I saw somewhere that like, I think I saw somewhere that uh, Aaron Sorkin is actually toying with the idea of doing another social network. Mm. Um, I think either he did say it, or I might have just seen like an article saying like why we sh- why a- another social no- network would make sense. Um, I would be curious if he did do if if we get another social network and we see like where. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is in now. Um, I don't know if it would have the same impact unless it was directed by David Fincher. And Fincher is not known for really directing sequels. Why is he in so much stuff? Because he's just in general. I think it was called like Alpha Dog or some shit. Oh, that movie? <laughs> yeah, he was. That was that was Justin Timberlake, but with tattoos. <laughs> I remember seeing Alpha Dog. He was the same character. Yeah. Oh, you know what? He actually okay. Justin Timberlake. His role as Ronnie in Black Snake Moan is actually not too bad. I didn't see that movie. That that that's a movie that Samuel Jackson plays like the. It's a it's a film in the South where um, uh, Christina Ricci is like a sexaholic, uh-huh. and she's married to Justin Timberlake. And Justin Timberlake goes to the military, but what happened was that uh, Christina Ricci gets like assaulted, and her body. Um, Samuel Jackson's character like finds her body and like knows who she is because it's this town knows her as being like <laughs> is promiscuous and shit yeah promis- she's essentially like the town bike everybody gets a ride yeah um so he like takes her brings her in the house and like actually he like literally chains her up and tries to like rehabilitate her rehabilitate her and it's actually it's a decent movie it's about like it's actually a movie about like ptsd and like um um like molestation and stuff like that and, and how that affects the mind and stuff. so it's actually a decent film and justin timberlake he's actually he's not in it a whole lot but he's not that bad he's less like justin timberlake yeah he's less yeah like justin timberlake <laughs> that's, just, that's justin timberlake's problem he's like he's justin timberlake <laughs> he kind of reminds me of um and that's it he kind of reminds me of will smith like when you see will smith you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get the woo will smith mm. you get the justin timberlake you're gonna get the justin timberlake the woo, justin timberlake <laughs> yeah but what's his what's his woo his woo is ah <laughs> That's just that's my Justin Timberlake. I'm so happy that that's recorded and gonna be memorialized. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna like take that out. No, you're not. <laughs> Dog, I'm gonna leave it in there. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah. So, is there is there anything else that you like to talk about this movie at all? Anything else to add? I feel bad for his friend, uh, Eduardo. Like in real life? Mm-hmm. I don't. No? No. Uh, Eduardo, I... So in the end of the movie, it said Eduardo got an undisclosed amount, which means he got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. Um, from what I read about what happened to Eduardo after, was that he, he did some investments that were very sketchy as fuck, mm-hmm. and he bounced out of the country. And I think he... I think he's, for like, originally from Brazil. I know. I'm saying I feel bad. Like, he just seems like he was mm. never going to get a good break from the start. 
Yeah. Like everything he had going for him mm. was before he met Mark. And after that, everything just went downhill from him Mm. to the girlfriend he fucking had to like then getting out of the fucking company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I think his mind, it's like, it's like when you are traumatized Mm. by your, maybe it's the same for business. Maybe you get so traumatized by your business relationships that you can't make good decisions anymore. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I don't, I don't doubt that. Um, I, I, I have heard that there are quite a, quite a few differences between the book and the movie. Mm. Um, and in this movie, they paint Eduardo in a more sympathetic light. Mm. And in, in the book, I mean, we don't, from in the, from what I understand the book, um, and, uh, Eduardo Sovereign actually did help. With the book, he spoke with what's the author's name? Ben uh, Mesrick. Ben Mesrick. Um, that he actually gave a lot of information to Ben Mesrick, and so, I guess they had like a bad falling out or something like that. Um, but from what I understand in the book, it actually doesn't paint Eduardo as much as a sympathetic light. Like he was taking credit for Facebook, but he actually wasn't putting in the legwork. He was trying to make these deals, but he wasn't down. He wasn't down in the in the gutter doing the, any of the coding or anything like that. And his selling was him to sell the website or to get investors was not that good after all. Yeah. But yeah, I never read the book. But this is this is what I'm hearing from people who have read the book. So he's one of those people that was like, "I'm your friend. You're gonna carry my weight, right?" <laughs> yeah, like. And then like, he gets all pissed off when no, they finally decided that it's kind of abusive, borderline. Yeah, it's kind of like how uh, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak was, like how Steve Jobs was like the oh, face yeah. of Apple, but Steve Wozniak's the guy who like helped bring the company up and like did all this work. And yeah, shit but like it didn't. That. It worked out in the opposite. Yeah. That's true. Um, so yeah, what was I'm sorry. What was your final take? You, you like it? Didn't yes, like it? I like it. Like, like it, it. Like it. Like it. Like it. Uh, like I, it. Like it. I still like it. Actually, I still love it. Movie. Oh, this movie never gets tiresome. Oh god, this movie is like over two hours long. It does not feel like it. it does not feel like it. Mm, just give me more of it. Um. Okay, so that is going to be our show for this week. Uh, we want to thank y'all for joining us. Um, you can find this podcast and all our previous podcasts on all podcast catchers, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Pandora, or whatever you, um, download your podcast from. Um, there's no show next week, uh, because Kelsey and I are going to be traveling, uh, driving across America. I know we, we were like. Wear your mask, wash your hands, don't mm. make bad choices, and we're kind of making a bad choice. Yeah, our plans is is that we are going to fly from L.A. to upstate, upstate New York. Like way upstate, like... Close to like the Canadian border, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're going to drive back down. Uh, we're going to go drive down to Massachusetts and say hi to my dad and my stepmom and my friend from when I was 10. Yeah. So all the people I've I've said to like wear your mask and wash your damn hands, we are gonna we're gonna put our, our money where where our mouth is. Yeah, <laughs> the traveling is totally a bad idea, but we made the plans before everything started really going to shit. Yeah, so we can't like get our money back. Yeah, 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 and like you know, like I said, we're flying we're flying out there, but we're driving back, so there will be hopefully a lot less exposure. Yeah, um, plus we're gonna be super safe. We're gonna wear like two masks, two three masks, and like. Yeah, and his face shield. And yeah, everything. two masks and a face shield. I was counting the face shield as a yeah. mask too, but yeah. Um. So 
the following week, uh, we are we will be back. We are going to review Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and it's premiering on Netflix on uh, December eighteenth. So the following week after December eighteenth, you will be uh, expecting a new episode. So at that time, you know, watch the movie, check it out. Uh, for a geriatric cinematic, we are going to see Lady Sings the Blues. Um, I think that's like a nineteen seventy film. Uh, let me just look that up real quick. Lady Sings the Blues is nineteen seventy two. That's the uh, the biographical drama film about uh, Billie Holiday, starring uh, Diana Ross mm. and my boy, or as as someone says, my uncle Billy D. Williams. <laughs> uh, so that that movie's streaming on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can't rent it anywhere. But just go to YouTube, type it up, and pop, it'll pop up. So uh, if you don't want to do that, that's cool. You know, join us for our recent review as we talk about um, Chadwick Boseman's like last movie. Yeah, that's why we're doing it. We're like, I want to see see him one more time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I said, we're gonna bid you guys adieu. Uh, wear your mask. Wash your damn hands. Um, Not a don't. Oh, and not, I don't. (laughs) Uh, Remember to fight tyranny. Um, And Tyrion. And Tyrion. Tyrion Lannister. Is he the good one? I always get those two mixed up. Anyway, so I'm going to... Oh, so yeah, the topic. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The topic of that episode will be hitting the bottom and rocking the blues. Um, So I'm going to leave you guys off with a story. Uh, I've had several customer service jobs. I've worked in stores and, you know, clothing stores and supermarkets. And I worked at a video store um, in a very snobby area. A lot of privileged folks coming by, you know, expecting to have their service, you know, give it to them hand and foot and all this shit. So we had this, uh, I had this customer and she paid me $5 for like a rental and then, you know, I gave her her change back. And she was like, hey, you're giving me my change back. I'm like, no, I, I did. It's in your hand. She's like, well, this is not the full amount of change. And I was like, how much is that? That's $2. So then I grabbed the receipt and I looked at it. And I had just seen the social network. Next thing that popped in my mouth was, I'm just checking your math on that. Yes, I got the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>